Welcome to a special edition of McFarland's Public Policy Podcast. My name is Gavin Horan. I'm Head of Policy for Asset Management. Uh, Today we have a timely special edition ahead of the UK's budget and spending review on 27th of October uh, and a discussion about what we can expect. I'm joined by two guests who know a thing or two about fiscal matters. Uh, first up, McFarland's Head of Public Policy, David Gork, who, among other things he's done in government, has been a Treasury Minister and so has obviously been involved in the process of the budget in the past. And next up, we have Rhiannon Kinghall Ware, who is McFarland's Head of Tax Policy and our resident tax expert. So let's start with the context. Uh, the UK is coming out of a serious recession as a result of its response to the pandemic, almost a 10% decline in GDP last year. What is the state of the public finances, David, and uh, what does Rishi have to play with? Well, I think he's going to have a little bit of good news on that front. So remember, the numbers that we previously working with were the OBR's uh, forecasts from March of this year. Since then, the recovery uh, has gone better than the OBR had predicted. Uh, The vaccination program, the rollout, uh, the response to that, uh, economic growth in the first half of the year was well ahead of what the OBR had uh, predicted. And that also plays into the public finances. So what we've heard from the IFS, for example, in their green budget is that borrowing this year is likely to be something like £50 billion lower than the OBR projected. It's still a hefty £180 billion, but you know, is a lot lower. So that is good news. It's not just a one-off. Some of this is about growth being brought forward earlier, uh, but some of it is also about scarring in the economy. And because the uh, period of lockdown and uh, you know where the pandemic was really biting has been shorter than the OBR assumed, the level of scarring is also likely to be less than the OBR assumed. So that plays into some uh, improvements in forecasts for later years as well. Not quite so dramatic, um, but I think what we can expect is the public finances will look stronger than they were in March. It's all relative. These are still big borrowing numbers, um, but they are stronger. They are better than they looked in March. And and that is a, a bit of good news for the Chancellor. I suppose what comes with that good news is that everyone is beating a path to his door, wanting more money. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he deals with that uh, but he's got um, he has got some good news to announce we assume uh, at Wednesday lunchtime. Looking ahead then I suppose the flip side of this conversation about how much Rishi has to play with is the role of inflation and the Bank of England. We're seeing inflation ticking up over three percent now the Bank of England expects to hit four percent uh, in the future. Um, what does that do in terms of Rishi's expectations for the future and the amount of money he has to play with in this budget? Well, on interest rates, um, there there is a concern that you know, as interest rates rise, debt servicing costs go up. And one of the things that one of the few things that's been quite good for the public finances in the last year or so has been that uh, the servicing costs have been so low. Now, To some extent, this isn't bad news if what we are doing is returning to normal levels of growth and we get normal levels of interest rates. Uh, and, you know, it was already the case that servicing, debt servicing costs have gone up, but more than compensated by higher tax receipts as the economy t- returns to normal. The worry that will exist inside the Treasury is that there's more to it than this, or there could be more to it than this. You know, what if there's a sense that there isn't 
a lot of confidence in the UK's fiscal plans, uh, do we start seeing a risk premium coming in and debt interest rates rise, not because the economy is doing better, but concerns about the future? And remember, you know, a 1% increase in uh, interest rates can result in debt servicing costs going up by you know something of the order of 20 billion pounds these are large sums of money so there is a nervousness about that and i think that will probably feed into is one of the factors that will feed into what will be i suspect quite a cautious budget when it comes to that additional revenue so as i say if borrowing is down 50 billion pounds from what was predicted in march don't expect to see that those 50 billion pounds go into higher spending and lower taxes. Um, he might do some things around the margins, I suspect more on spending than on tax. Uh, but um, for the most part, I think you'll be quite cautious with that, given that there are also some real uncertainties for the economy. You know, will will the virus come back again? Uh, will we have a trade war with the European Union? Uh, will some of the supply constraints that we see in the economy bite more seriously than is predicted? So my guess is that as a chancellor, he will be quite cautious in this. Um, but certainly one of the risks is um, is, you know, if you lose fiscal credibility, he would argue uh, your interest rates go up and, and then you're paying out quite a lot more money. Now, turning to the tax side, we've already seen the Chancellor has announced some significant tax rises uh, in the March budget, uh, a significant increase in corporation tax, which I know, David, you're not going to be particularly happy about given your <laughs> previous role in reducing it. Uh, we've also seen national insurance, uh, the health and social care levy be announced, not, not yet to take effect, of course. Um, what measures can we expect in this budget, Emiliano? So I think this budget will be what I would describe as quite technical in nature. Um, and by that, I think there'll be quite a few sort of smaller measures that in aggregate add up um, to, to raise some revenue. But we won't see the sort of big measures or anything as explicit, as you say, as the, the corporation tax hike or the um, the health, health and social care levy. Um one one area that I think has been taking up quite a bit of time is the government's review of business rates, but I think that now has been kicked into the long grass. Um, there's also rumours around um, an online um, sales tax. Um, how I think there were quite a few tensions around that in terms of um, announcing something around that before uh, the review of business rates has been concluded, and also obviously in light of the um, the UK's part in the OECD's um, agreement to reform the international tax system with a global minimum tax. So I think there are a few question marks around that. So that that's clearly sort of been kicked into the long grass. Um, just picking up on the global minimum tax, obviously, we've um, had um, a recent announcement at the beginning of October. There are now 136 territories that have signed up um, to, to that agreement with quite an ambitious time frame for implementation. So we're expecting to see the rules come in uh, by 2023. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, for the UK, uh, given its desire to take quite a leading role um, in this endeavour to actually begin to set out how the UK will uh, formally implement um, those quite seismic changes to, to the tax system with um, with a global minimum tax and also um, a reallocation of profits to, to market jurisdictions. Um, 
I think another area that often gets neglected is is VAT. And obviously with newfound freedoms following Brexit, the UK um, does have more powers in that regard. Um, there's been a long promised review of um, the application of VAT to financial services. Um, I think the, the industry um, is hopeful of, of seeing that um, this autumn. But again, that might be another area that um, that is sort of kicked into into the long grass and into into next year. We've had a number of consultations. Um, and as you can tell by this, we're sort of getting into into the micro level of detail in terms of um, changes to R&D tax credits. There was a consultation earlier this year, but again, uh, for Treasury to have really taken on board those comments feels a little bit early. There's also a consultation into EMI in terms of the um, the tax advantages around share options that um, is is quite promising in terms of its expansion to the types of companies that can that can use those schemes. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. There's always a rabbit um, that comes out of the hat, so um, we'll we will find out soon, I imagine. Yeah, I think uh, I agree, Rhiannon. I think in terms of this budget, it's not going to be a big. Uh, tax reforming budgets. Um, it's quite striking. We've already seen substantial tax increases this year with corporation tax, with the freeze in thresholds and allowances for the personal tax system, and then the increase in national insurance contributions, or as they become the sort of health and social care levy. That's probably done the big revenue raising that the government needs to do in this parliament, notwithstanding the risks I was talking about earlier and the considerable pressures on the on public finances. Uh, I also think that um, it would be a curious time to cut taxes because of all those risks. And maybe you want to wait until later on in the parliament anyway. So you know, if you're looking at a pre-election tax cut, it's too early in the parliament to do that. So for me, I expect the main story is really to be about spending uh, and what the Chancellor is going to do with his spending review. As I say, on a sort of big fiscal picture, I think most of the the, the upside will go in reducing the deficit uh, and, and, and debt. Uh, but I think there'll be one or two rabbits out of the hat in terms of public spending. I think you'll make sure that no department uh, faces any real terms cuts. Uh, I This may be wishful thinking as a former Secretary of State for Justice, but I suspect the MOJ will do reasonably well out of the spending review. Um, quite a lot of political pressures there. The court's backlog, I think, will need to be addressed. Uh, and the the other uh, rabbit out of the hat that I'm expecting, um, always a slightly hazardous task in making these predictions, but I think he will cut the taper rate of universal credit. Uh, it's, it, it'll have the effect of a tax cut on low-paid workers. Uh, it will help ease the cost of living pressures that people are going to face. Uh, and the removal of the universal credit uplift has been quite controversial. This won't entirely address that, won't compensate uh, all tax credit claimants by any means. But I suspect that uh, that plays quite well into the government's narrative about encouraging work and so on. So I think that's where we will see some something a bit dramatic. Other than that, I think it will be 
quite steady as she goes. Not a huge amount of of of, of tax news, other than sort of you know, the more technical points that Rhiannon has talked about. Uh, um, and um, yeah, that, that I think sort of sets the government up if things work well if the economy performs well they might have scope for tax cuts later on in the parliament um if they if that doesn't happen i think the chancellor can argue that he's you know been a sensible responsible uh chancellor reassure the markets uh, and uh, you know help us get through what might be a difficult uh, uh, a, a, a difficult winter so my guess, not that big, exciting measure. Don't see big tax revenue raises, uh, and I don't see uh, uh, any giveaways either. Well, I suppose another major part of the context for this is that the UK will be hosting the UN's climate conference at the start of November, so a matter of days after the budget. Um, can we expect any announcements tied to the UK's desire to be a leading uh, country in terms of combating climate change. So we'll be the green rabbits out of the hat, Diana. I think um, that there's a distinct possibility, although I'm not sure that the groundwork has been laid in a sense that we haven't seen um, any sort of consultations. And I think for, for any major reforms, you would you would expect um, more sort of rolling, rolling of the pitch. Um, but I think I think if if there are any measures, they're likely to be quite sort of consumer-led, retail-focused. So it might be around um, uh, household energy consumption or um, domestic fuel or car fuel. Um, again, there are clearly sort of tensions there in terms of cost of living, but also encouraging um, consumers to make the shift to more environmentally friendly um, products and services. So. Um, how how the treasury you know or the government begins to square that circle i think will be quite quite challenging um i think any of the sort of bigger picture uh, reforms um whether a sort of energy market instruments introduced i think there would need the uk and um sort of international consensus and i see a role there for the oecd um rather than the uk going unilaterally yeah, I, I think it would be surprising if he didn't have something to say on this. Uh, I think it would be a real political vulnerability if uh, you know he sat down and he hadn't said anything of any substance on the net zero agenda. Uh, obviously, we have got an announcement in terms of uh, some of uh, the government's plans in 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 this area and uh, heat pumps and hydrogen and so on. But on the day, um, I think he needs to say something. But Rhiannon is right. He hasn't particularly laid the ground for a big policy announcement here. Uh, whether there is something and a consultation announced exploring the role of a carbon tax, maybe even a carbon border adjustment mechanism, I could imagine that happening. Something that tees off the debate uh, in Glasgow for COP26. I think that 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 is perfectly possible. So I think there'll be something there, but there is this this tension at the moment you know, with energy prices going up, people worried about the cost of living. Um, yeah. You know, if we also want to incentivize people to change their behavior so that they consume less carbon, um, you need to use the price mechanism. You need to um, you know, 
take those external costs and internalize them. And most economists will argue the case for a carbon tax. So whether there is something moving us along those lines, you know, there's been talk about you know, shifting from um, uh, you know, costs onto gas away from electricity, something of, of, of that sort. So I don't know what it will be, but I think that there's, there's definitely going to be something, he says, but it's probably looking more towards the longer term than anything very immediate. There was also the um, speculation around a cut um, in VAT on household energy bills. And that's that's quite a curious um, proposal um, in the sense um, that it's making um, gas potentially cheaper at a time when also there are conversations around shifting from gas to other sources. Yeah. So how they begin to um, reconcile that will be will be quite interesting. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be the minister being interviewed immediately after the budget on, on that question. If you just you know if you're proclaiming a great ambition about COP twenty six and you're cutting VAT on domestic fuel. I mean, most economists would argue you should be increasing that. Um, and, you know, you, you, you want to be equalizing the cost of carbon. And, and this is an area where the cost of carbon is kind of below where it is in other areas. So, I, yeah, I think that would be a really curious uh, one to do. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not expecting a cut in uh, VAT on domestic fuel, not unless yeah, at the same time you're reimposing it in another tax. But you know, what's the point of that? That's just adding complexity. So yeah, I, I share your scepticism, Rhiannon, that uh, that that, that uh, about that particular rumor. And we're hearing some chatter about fuel duty as well. Uh, obviously, we've had a petrol crisis, as many of our listeners will have experienced directly uh, in recent weeks. Um, any expectations about? Raising or cutting fuel yeah, duty? I, there was there was a there was really quite a strong case for increasing fuel duty back in March, when uh, petrol prices were really quite low, uh, and the government didn't do it. And I suspect they're not regretting that decision given what's happened to prices since then. Uh, and so, you know, adding fuel duty. I mean, again. We can you can make a very good case for for it as a policy, and you know the government's been on this hook for a very long time. But just in a period of time where fuel prices have have gone through the roof, and there's still more to come, there's still more to play through the system. Um, I think you know that would be that would be a, a bold decision. I think the officials would be saying to any any minister suggesting that uh, fuel duty go up. Ahead of the last few budgets, there has been some speculation about capital gains tax. Uh, will anything happen this time, Rihanna? I think the pressure's slightly fallen away, obviously, since um, the national insurance and health and social care levy have been announced. I think um, some of the rumours have, have subsided. Although that said, there was quite a lot of chatter at both of the political party conferences that CGT and IHT was, was ripe for reform. And I, I think that largely comes off the back of um, a series of Office of Tax Simplification reviews. And we're waiting for for the Chancellor to to respond to those, in, in particular, really, the, the questions around the policy design. Um, inherent in that, though, is that the policy design is, is, is very much a political question. And so um, 
questions around the actual rate of CGT and whether it should be aligned with income tax. Some of the exemptions that you see both in CGT and also within IHT, as well as their interaction with with each other, are, are some of the um, knotty questions um, that the OTS um, put forward some recommendations about. And I think the government is is having to to ponder those. But I don't expect to see an alignment of CGT um, with with income tax. Um, as I say, that the pressures for that sort of um, large sort of revenue raiser um, have have largely subsided. And furthermore, I think there are questions around how much revenue it would raise. Certainly in future years, you you might get some if you introduce it as a surprise measure in in year one. But but after that, um, it's likely that you know. Um, transactions and disposals can be discretionary. So there would be a choice around making disposals that where you might see a capital gain arise. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a long-standing skeptic about big increases of on CGT. I'm just not sure that it raises the revenue that people hope that it will. Um, so I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised. And I think things have moved on a bit in terms of the debate. They've raised the taxes they needed to do, at least for the time being. One of the arguments for increasing CGT wasn't so much the revenue it raised itself, but it kind of gave you permission to increase one of the the broader base taxes. But they've increased one of the broader base taxes and they didn't seek permission by increasing CGT. So having done that now, um, I don't, I'd be surprised. The one that is maybe slightly more marginal, again, I'm skeptical that very much will happen here, but there is a debate about carried interest. Um, uh, 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 the Labour Party are calling for increases in that. Um, but I suspect the government's view will be we've got to stay competitive in this area. And although the US are putting up cap the rates on carried interest, um, it's it, much of the rest of Europe, for example, is not doing so. Um, so again, I, I would think they would be cautious about, about going there. And again, they don't really need any big revenue raises here. I think you know the Chancellor will be wanting to hold the line and not do much by way of giveaways. But I don't think he, he needs uh, any big revenue raises. Well, finally, picking up on that point on competitiveness, uh, we're sitting here recording this in the middle of the City of London. Is there anything we can expect for the city in this budget? It's a good question. And I think um, certainly since Brexit, I think the UK um, is seeking to to position itself and obviously maintain its competitiveness and, and also increase it. Um, we've been encouraged by the Asset Holding Company review and we're expecting draft legislation to be published, um, further draft legislation, I should say, after the budget. Um, and that's really, really encouraging. Um, there's also been um, a deeper review um, into the UK funds regime. Um, and so we may um, get to understand, I think, the government's priorities. I think that that review is tackling quite a lot of issues, not, not solely on the tax side, quite a lot of regulatory issues. And I think there the government really needs to set out its priorities. Um, the Chancellor's also been um, asked to look at um, bank levy. And so I think there there are obviously calls from um, the, the larger banks in, in the UK to, to reform that. Um, but as I say, there are potentially some some uh, policies on the regulatory side and Gavin you might also have some some thoughts on what we might see here 
Well, I think, yes, you're entirely right there. I think we would expect a bit more on the regulatory side, um, particularly the proposal to launch the long-term asset fund by the end of this year. Uh, the idea there being you get particularly money sitting in pension funds put into long-term investments. You know, this feeds very much into sort of building back greener, uh, levelling up agenda. They're looking for private capital effectively to fund some of this. So we should see some of the final rules uh, around the structure of that vehicle and its taxation. Uh, changes in the rules also that cap what um, uh, what could be charged to pension schemes that want to invest in some of these sort of illiquid and, and private asset investments. So we, we will probably see a bit more on that front um, around budget time as well. Right, on that note, um, all eyes ahead to the budget and COP26. Thank you to both of our guests, Rhiannon king Hallware, and to David Gork. And I hope you will join us again for our next Public Policy podcast. <laughs>